0: And I'll just say this, do fucking epic shit with your life. You you just, you have to just do it. You know, the things that you want to do, there's a million excuses out there of why you shouldn't do something, whether it's starting a business or taking that trip or doing something. After I went through this, you know, I've I've been through some things in my life, obviously, but after this month of March, like I was, and I felt like I was going to lose my marriage, lose my business, lose my kids, lose my own life. And I told myself, I was like, if I ever get out of this, I am living life differently damn it like I'm not I'm just not gonna I'm, I'm not gonna think of reasons not to do anything anymore I just encourage people go out and just do the epic stuff you want to do and don't talk yourself out of it that was Larry Hagner
1: and this is the share podcast It's time for the Share Recovery Podcast, where we bring you amazing life-changing success stories from addicts and alcoholics all over the world who share their inspiring journey in recovery. And now, here's your host, Oh. Hey,
2: everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Share Podcast. And on today's episode, we are featuring my good friend, Larry Hagner the founder of the Good Dad Project podcast and the founder of the Dad's Edge Alliance Mastermind community. And Larry is not a drug addict or an alcoholic, but as I have gotten to know Larry and gotten bits and pieces of his story, I knew it would be a story that would inspire and impact the members of the Share podcast community. And today we go deep into some very dark places that Larry has been in very dark places where his mind has gone, and this pivotal moment in his life where he prayed and vowed to God that if he could find his way out of this tragic mess that he was in, that he promised to do epic shit for the rest of his life. And that's who he is and what he is doing now. Larry has a community very similar to the Share Podcast private group. It's for men only. The majority of them are dads. Obviously, it's the Good Dad Project. And what they do is they motivate, support, inspire each other to be better versions of themselves, better fathers, better husbands, better community leaders. And I have the honor and the privilege to be in that group as well. So let me just give you a little bit of history of how I met Larry and how God has been working in my life. In May of this year, I interviewed Tony Grebmeier of the Tony G Show podcast, who has become an instrumental mentor, and friend in this journey of personal growth and development that I am now on. And after our interview, I asked him for help. He gave me some suggestions, one of which was to join a mastermind group. For those of you that don't know what a mastermind group, it's a community of like-minded individuals who have a common purpose and work together to help each other stay accountable, set goals, create deadlines, and meet those challenges, goals, deadlines together. So I knew that my good friend Shane Raymer of That Sober Guy Podcast was in a mastermind group and I asked him about his experience in being in a mastermind group. And that is when he introduced me to Larry. I had a half an hour call with Larry and we connected instantly. I said, yes, get me into the group. So I joined the mastermind, one of the mastermind groups in the Dad's Edge Alliance mastermind community and have been leaning on them to learn how to take the Share Podcast to another level. And in the course of less than three months, Larry and I have become very, very close. And the reason is that we share very common beliefs and core values. And one of them is to impact and inspire as many people as we can and help them reach their greatest potential. Again, one of the similarities is the Facebook private groups. We both have very large, dynamic Facebook groups that are super positive, super supportive. And we both have members that we watch make massive changes in their lives simply by integrating themselves 100% into the group, being active, being social, being assertive, being supportive, asking for help, and radically changing the social dynamics of their lives. And the reason why I'm going into such detail about how Larry and I met and the radical changes that have happened in my life is to emphasize the importance of being in a positive, supportive community that can actually impact and radically change the trajectory of your life simply by asking the right people for help. I can't say enough about the impact that Larry has had in my life or the impact that he has had in the lives of thousands of other men. He is a dynamic community leader. He has a powerful podcast and a thriving membership community that is helping men reach their full potential in life. It's an honor to have him on the show and to have him share openly and honestly some very delicate and vulnerable moments in his life. So let's dive into Larry's story, but first a quick message from our sponsor. Okay guys, so for the past couple of months now, I've been promoting the Organify Green Juice, which my wife and I love and drink every single day. And we recently just ordered the brand new red juice, which is an acai and cordyceps infused red juice. I guess it could also be considered a green juice because it's got all the green juice properties. But we are super excited to try out that brand new product. The green juice has made such dramatic changes in our lives. We absolutely love it. And again, we would not promote anything that was not 100% organic or healthy. And for those of you that are heavy coffee drinkers like I am, this may sound like a stretch, but I have actually substituted Organifi in the morning for coffee, but it needs to be ice cold. So what I do is I grab my thermos, I put some ice cubes in it, I pour a scoop of Organifi along with filtered water, and then shake it up, which makes it ice cold. And that's what I drink on my way to work in the mornings. And I literally don't have a cup of coffee until after lunch, which then gets me through the rest of my day. I never thought I'd be able to kick the caffeine habit in the morning, but believe it or not, Organifi has done the trick. So once again, if you're wondering what this superfood green drink is, well, let me tell you. Organifi is an organic superfood supplement that takes 30 seconds to make with no blending, no juicing, and no cleanup. Organifi is a coconut and ashwagandha-infused green juice that is gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, vegan, and absolutely delicious. My wife and I drink it every single day. We absolutely love it. We've noticed a significant difference in reduced stress, in improved digestion, improved mental clarity, and it boosts our energy levels. So not only is it organic and upgraded with 11 superfoods, if you order now, you're going to get 20% off your order by using promo code SHARE, S-H-A-I-R. So go to the Organifi website, www.organify.com. Organifi is spelled O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I, and make sure to put in your promo code SHARE, S-H-A-I-R, and get 20% off your order today. And in other news, I have recently started working at Costa Rica Recovery as a 12-steps addiction recovery counselor, and Costa Rica Recovery is a drug and alcohol rehabilitation center. They have been in business now for 11 years here in Costa Rica. For English-speaking patients, it is a very affordable drug treatment center as well as a detox center. So if you're going through heroin withdrawals or alcoholic DTs, then you might want to consider checking out what Costa Rica Recovery has to offer. So go to www.CostaRicaRecovery.net so you can get information about the treatment plans and the costs. And then if you have any questions, just email me at o@thesharepodcast.com at and we'll set up a call to see if Costa Rica Recovery is the right place for you. And guys, a quick reminder to please remember to subscribe to the Share Podcast. If you have an iPhone and you listen on iTunes, make sure to click subscribe when you listen to the show. You're going to get a brand new episode downloaded onto your phone every week with a little reminder that lets you know that The Share Podcast just launched its latest episodes. Plus, it's the best way to rank on iTunes. When you subscribe to a show, it increases your ranking in iTunes. And my goal is to have The Share Podcast as the number one recovery resource and podcast in iTunes. So please, subscribe. And while you're at it, leave us a five-star rating and review so I can read it on the next episode of The Share Podcast. And speaking of iTunes reviews, we have another amazing review today. And this one comes from Charlotte in Seattle. Title is Love This So Much. And she writes, I am not and never been an alcoholic or drug addict, but I have struggled with eating disorders, depression, and anxiety. And I find much of the advice and discussion in this podcast relevant to my own struggles. I listen to one nearly every night as I relax in bed. I love hearing Omar's friendly and fatherly voice as I drift off to sleep. It's fun to hear his guests' different voices and all the different accents, and I imagine the places where they are from. I get something out of each one. I also like to listen while I take long, hot baths. This podcast reminds me that I am not alone and that we all have our struggles. Each moment is new, and I can make new, healthy choices, even if my previous one was not the best. When I hear someone's story about coming out of terrible addiction, I think to myself, if they can make it to a better place in life, so can I. Also, life doesn't have to be perfect to be awesome. Thank you, O. You're not only helping addicts, but also people who need an extra boost and some help relaxing. Charlotte, thank you so much. What a beautiful review. And yet another reminder of the impact that The Share Podcast is having on thousands of people's lives. You know, when you're struggling with addiction or you're struggling with depression or you're struggling with an eating disorder and you feel like you've hit a rock bottom and you don't know where to turn or what to do, the one thing that for many of us doesn't cross our minds is that this could be a turning point in our life that could propel us into greatness. I never knew the impact I would have on thousands of people's lives when I started this podcast, But if I can do it, anybody can do it. All I did was make the decision to start, to put one foot in front of the other and start recording an episode and get excited when 10 downloads would come in and then get excited when 100 100 downloads came in. And now I watch thousands of downloads come in every single week and it just blows my mind the reach that we are having around the world. So Charlotte, thank you again for this beautiful review. I hope you're in the Share Podcast private group And for those of you who have not joined the private accountability group, the share Facebook private group is now over 3,000 strong. It's more active than ever. It's more positive than ever. We have four amazing admins that keep things bustling and active and positive. We've gotten so big that we've actually had to remove some people because of negativity, because of spamming, because of sexual harassment. This might be a good opportunity to to mention that the Share Podcast private group is healthy and happy and strong and we plan to keep it that way. It's not a place to pick up men or women. It's not a dating Facebook private group. It's not a place for judgment or soapboxing or slander or self-righteousness. It's a safe place for discussing recovery, for discussing eating disorders, for discuss for discussing al Anon and Coda and a safe place for mothers to talk about their children who are struggling with drugs. For people who are struggling with codependency. For people that want to connect in a community of like-minded individuals to discuss a spiritual and holistic path to wholeness, to wellness, to happiness and fulfillment. Drugs and alcohol and prescription meds, they're designed to numb you out. They're designed to circumvent the work. They're designed to disconnect you spiritually because if you can get a solution and a pill, that gives you an opportunity to not do anything, to not find out what's at the core of your disease, what's at the core of the problem, to ask yourself what my core values are, what my core belief systems are, who am I as a person, who I want to become, am I living a fulfilled life? So if you're the kind of person that wants a life beyond your wildest dreams, a life of true fulfillment and happiness, a life where you get to decide who you want to be and where you want to go, then the Share Podcast private group is the right place for you. It's a healthy, wholesome, holistic approach to having a life beyond your wildest dreams. And if that's what you're looking for, then what are you waiting for? Go to Facebook, go to the search bar, type in S-H-A-I-R private group, click on the join button and get in there and expect a miracle. I look forward to seeing you in there. And for those of you that have been donating and continue to donate to the Share Podcast, thank you so much for your donations. Not sure what happened last week. If kind of the new $5 a month subscriptions subscriptions have slowed down, I don't know if it's because of the $500 donation that I announced last week, but I've got big plans for the Share Podcast. I need more help. I'm probably going to need, I need to hire an assistant again because I'm so busy. And so I need your help. Remember, if 1% of our listeners could donate $5 a month, that would help support the show 100% and get me the help that I need to take the Share Podcast to the next level. I've got so many guests lined up to tell their story that in all reality, I wouldn't have any problems whatsoever getting guests to go two times a week. And I've already been prompted by a few listeners that would love to have two share podcast episodes a week. But there is absolutely no way I can do that at this time. I'm buried. Between working at Costa Rica Recovery, producing the share podcast, producing the mini episodes, as well as making meetings and spending time with my family, there's just no way. So if you'd like to see the share podcast go to the next level, then please, if you have the wherewithal, Go to The Share Podcast, www.thesharepodcast.com. Go to the top right-hand corner of the website, click on Donate, or click on any of the yellow Donate buttons that you'll find throughout the website. There's no question about it. We need the support. So get in there and donate $5 a month to The Share Podcast today. Now a quick message from Transitions Daily and then on to the show. Would you like to join a free anonymous online group that offers a daily topic email with popular recovery resources accompanied by a secret Facebook group for discussion? Then go to dailyaaemails.com for more information about Transitions Daily. And don't forget to share dailyaaemails.com with friends in meetings and with sponsees in recovery. Hey, Larry, thanks for
0: joining us. What is going on, Omar? It's good to see you, man. Good to see you too, man. How are you feeling today? <laughs> I feel good, man. Uh, you know, this is actually a first for me. I'm actually enjoying the weather. I'm recording this podcast outside, so I've got my mic in hand and uh, just enjoying the beautiful weather we have here. Not not nearly as probably beautiful weather as you experience, but at least some here where we get in the Midwest.
2: Well, it's rainy season right now, so I'm not complaining. But I'm looking at the weather you've got. It's pretty spectacular out there right now. So, well, it's Fourth of July weekend. So, yeah, kick-ass weather, right?
0: <laughs> yes, yes, you got it, man.
2: <laughs> you know that we were uh, earlier today. Just so you guys know, Larry and I were on a
0: on a call. On a
2: would you call that a mastermind call, or what would you call that?
0: So yeah, it's it's our mastermind community, and and I would probably call that a community mastermind call. Yeah.
2: And it was uh, to touch on guys that were having tough moments in their life, like really tough times. And the uh, purpose of the call was to just kind of help them get through it and give them support. And it was a very, very powerful and uh, I would say
0: energizing call because I left pretty pumped. I did too, man. That was that was probably I think one of the most fruitful calls that we we've done in that community. Um, and it was it was sort of off the cuff, you know, we, we usually plan a lot of content, you know, for our members, but today it was just, uh, based on men helping out other men. And we had some guys in our community that were going through some crisis and, 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 you know, big props to you, man. I mean, you really spoke up, you really helped a lot of the guys today, had some just tremendous perspective. And, um, I mean, that's, what's all about, you know, we got to help each other and there's not enough of that going around.
2: No, absolutely not, I think. But we're in a generation now that is doing that. And that's, you know, kudos to all of us who are breaking those chains of bondage that were almost laid into, not almost, they were laid into us from the previous generation. Our parents weren't accustomed, especially our dads, weren't accustomed right. to being open and honest about their feelings, you know, right. You know, openly crying, openly talking about tough situations that are going on in their life. You kept that close to the hip. Behind doors, you don't air your dirty laundry, and you just got to eat it. You know, take it like a man, which is really, you know, bullshit.
0: Yeah, exactly. It
2: is. Now, uh, so folks, real quick, just so you know what we're talking about here. um, Today, we have Larry Hagner joining us on the Share Podcast. Larry is the host and the founder of the Good Dad Project podcast and the Dad Edge Alliance Mastermind Community, which is what we're talking about. That's exactly... Uh, The call was on the Dad Edge Alliance, and um, Larry grew up virtually in a fatherless environment, just so you guys know, uh, for most of his life. In fact, he did not meet his real father until he was 30 years old. In his life, he has faced many challenges, one of which was 33 days of insomnia that drove him almost to the brink of insanity. And today, after reuniting with his dad um, at the age of 30, he has an amazing relationship with his dad today. Um, And through his own struggles, that is what has inspired him to become the best dad that he can be. That sound about right, Larry? (laughs) That's
0: pretty on point, my friend. That is pretty on point.
2: (laughs) All right, good. So let's dive right in. So yeah, let's, let's talk a little bit about what your life is like today, what your normal daily routine looks like. We just talked about that beautiful call that we had today. Um, and I know that you have a lot of those on a weekly basis. So yeah, tell us a little bit about what your normal daily routine looks like.
0: Oh boy, you know, I, I don't know if I have a normal daily routine. I'm the father of four boys. So you can only imagine like my house is just, it's madness at times. And I know that this is a recovery podcast, but my wife and I, you know, a lot of people are like, how do you do it? How do you raise four boys? And I always say we do it with a sense of humor and a smile. And that's because, <laughs> that's because you know, I'm not joking, man. My wife and I, little do my boys know they're, they're 11, 9, 3, and 1. And my wife and I uh, literally call them the four drunks because, like, <laughs> (laughs) Like, I mean, they act like little fraternity brothers, like they're like (laughs) somebody's always missing a shoe. You know, someone wants waffles at 1130 at night. Someone comes to the dinner table without pants on like it's mad chaos. So I I would say, though, my typical day, um, what I like to do is I, I have to factor in. Self care in my day have to, and it may sound maybe selfish, but I have to do it. Um, So every morning I have to do something active, whether that's go for a run, even go for a walk, Um, or I I go to the gym, I go for a trail run, or I just do something to to clear the cobwebs out of my mind to get you know my my day off on a good note. Um, I also pray every morning, so like you know I'll get up and 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 say a quick prayer of gratitude, you know, for a good night's sleep and um for for health and for family and then um I will not check email or anything until about 9:30 in the morning so it's literally like I I carve out that much time in the morning to get my mind set in the right direction and then from there um you know, my day is, is dedicated to, to helping men be better men, be better fathers. Uh, you know, I, I write, I podcast, I, I facilitate masterminds, um, all all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, but that is what I really love to do. And then I will say this, the boundaries that I have too, um, from, you know, five or 6 PM at night until my kids go to bed, uh, I shut it down. Uh, and I shut it down. I wouldn't say I'm 100% on it. I really try. I, it's sort of one of my Achilles heels. But I try to shut it down because, man, I have to. You need those boundaries. And I guess, in a way, what, what kind of good dad would I be if I was sucked into social media all night long? So that's those are my boundaries.
2: <laughs> well, it's great. And it's always nice to bring in terms like boundaries. That's something that we have to learn implicitly in recovery because we have none we've got no limits we've got no boundaries and so we find that we're just kind of aimlessly wandering through life and reacting to things all right because we don't we haven't set any sort of boundaries for the people around us not in our marriages not at work not with our friends um, not with social media and so it creates some chaos so it's 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 wonderful and that's why i asked the question Little nuggets that you can take away from what people are doing on their daily in their daily lives, and one is setting specific boundaries for family time and for personal care. Uh, I think that's super important. I think that prayer and meditation in the mornings is crucial, uh, especially to get your day started in the right direction. Um, do you have specific practices that you do other than than prayer? Do you meditate as well? Do you have like a prayer meditation
0: practice? Yeah, that's a good question. I um, So I, I don't do guided meditation. I've, I've been told over and over again that I should, but I just don't. Um, what I do is I, I get into the mindset of gratitude right away. So as I roll out of bed, I like I said, I, I, I believe my, my prayer is somewhat my, medit- my meditation. And what I've noticed is, is what I'll do is I'll, 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 thank God for a good night's sleep. I thank God for the beautiful woman that's laying next to me. Um, you know, I, I thank God that I, I wake up and my, my joints aren't sore. My back isn't hurting, you know, from, from the previous day of chasing around four crazy little kids. And, um, you know, and, and then I, I, I thank God for a thriving business. I thank God for, you know, um, for, you know, fi- financial means that we're able to, to be okay. And and then I also ask for guidance, you know, I'm, I, I asked her for, for guidance to just be like, I, I don't know what you want me to do today, but I'm, I'm all ears. So you tell me what you want me to do. Um, some days I'm better about that than others. You know, if you wake up in a stressed out state or something like that, but I would say for the most part, that has been my, my meditation. And sometimes, uh, it, you know, usually I, I don't do like this whole, I don't do like a 30 minute thing. Usually it's, it's a handful of minutes. So about five minutes and, you know, some peace and quiet while I, uh, drink my water in the morning. I always drink, uh, I drink 60 ounces of water before 9am. Um, <laughs> I do. It's a lot of peeing. Uh, it is, it, but it, it gets, I, I don't drink coffee. Um, so it, it, you know, I, I drink, a. I I drink uh, a drink called spark and it's got a ton of vitamins in it. So I drink that. I drink two of those and I drink 60 ounces of water so that it hydrates me. It gets me in the right frame of mind. It, 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 you know, gets my, my mental state going and I feel good. So uh, that's, that's definitely what I do. And then I hit the gym or I, 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 exercise. Beautiful, beautiful.
2: All right. So somebody who has such a busy schedule that also has boundaries for family time, that has me time. Uh, is somebody who's very well put together today. Uh, nothing's perfect; we all know that. But let's talk a little bit about what it took to get to where you are today. Uh, what I find is that the more adversities we've had to face in our lives, uh, the when we get through them, we become these unbelievable people—men and women who have who have struggled through some really tough times. They get through it. And they're Vikings, they're warriors. On the other end, they can get through anything. Um, and somebody who was who didn't have their dad growing up, no, you know, their their real dad growing up knows the value of that. So can you tell us or take us through what it was like up until that moment when when you met your dad for the first time and what your childhood was like?
0: Yeah, so I, I can really speak, I think, to your audience of you know, the share audience, you know, the share and recovery. Um, because I, I think I, I was raised by a mother who struggled with alcohol. Um, and, and every guy she was with, married or dated, was was a heavy, heavy drinker. Uh my mom and dad were married in nineteen seventy one. They got divorced in nineteen seventy-five, just a couple of months after I was born. Um, my dad was out of the picture and I didn't know him, you know, at all. So uh, from the, it's kind of funny, but I still remember this. i'm I'll be forty two this week, but I still remember this going back thirty eight years ago when I was four. I still remember being in preschool and I remember men picking up my friends. and I knew what a dad was, but in my mind, like moms go out and find dads. like they, <laughs> I had no reference that there was any other way. Right. so I, I didn't really, you know, I didn't care. I just I, I always thought like, well, My mom just hasn't found a dad yet. So I I remember when my mom actually brought a guy home for the very first time that I remember anyway, I was four. And uh, she was dating this guy from work, and he came in walking through the front door. I'll, I'll never forget it. Never, ever, ever forget it. He walked through the front door. He was wearing that typical 1970s navy blue three-piece suit, the vest, the big double Windsor tie. He had the, ha- he had the mustache, 70s mustache and everything like that. And I'll never forget it. My mom introduced me to him, and I extended my hand. And I, I asked him, I said, are you going to be my dad? Because oh. in my mind, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Awkward. Yeah. <laughs> right. My, my mom probably didn't know what to say. She, my mom didn't know what to say. I remember it's just being really, you know, quiet and he just kind of awkwardly laughed and all that. But it, they did. A year later, they got married and they were married for five years. It was, he was, he was a good dude. He, He uh, was ex-military. He was one of those guys. He was super polite. Everyone liked him. He had this dark side, though. He was a heavy drinker. He was a white-collar worker, had a very, very heavy drinking uh, habit. And when he did drink, man, he got vicious, just vicious. I mean, I was punched, hit, strangled, pushed down. So was my mom and I don't, I don't share this out of pity. I just share it to give context. Um, so when they got divorced when I was 10, you know, I was devastated because I lost my dad, but I was also relieved. I was like, man, like this guy's not going to be around anymore to like kind of push us around. So, um, when I was 12 though, this one thing, this, this, one thing interesting did happen. Um, I did meet my biological father for the very first time and it was sort of a fluke and we met each other and it lasted a couple months. He had gotten remarried. He had a two year old son. He had another one on the way and we kind of hung out for like a a few months. And then all of a sudden, like he just sort of kind of pulled away from the relationship. And I just remember our relationship drifted and we stopped talking now that was when I was 12. So I was in seventh grade, I was awkward. And then my mom got remarried two more times after that. And every guy that she was with was just, there was always these disastrous, like alcoholic guys. My mom was a heavy drinker herself. I mean, I grew up just in this very codependent home, you know, and was always trying to keep the peace and make everybody happy. Cause if mom was happy, everybody was happy. Um, so, you know, life went on and I went away to college and all that other stuff and got into the medical device industry. But when I was 30, something really interesting happened. Um, I had my first son out of four. Uh, so this was 12 years ago. Uh, and I met my biological father again, a total fluke. He walked into a coffee shop that I was in (laughs) and I knew exactly who he was when he walked in. And I'm not going to go into all the details, but we did end up connecting. And here we are 12 years later. We still have a good relationship. Uh, we have a good relationship. Um, but I'll tell you the perspective that I have on that. Um, I, I, I think it's really easy to to get in that mindset where you can hold a grudge and you're pissed and, you know, always me and, you know, how could you and I can't forgive you and all that other stuff. My dad's 70 years old this, this year. I met him when he was 58 and I just I made a dis- very very conscious decision that one night we were going to go out, we were going to have this conversation. We were going to talk about this. And I I basically sat him down. I was like, can you please tell me like what the hell happened? Like what happened when I was younger? What happened when I was 12? Give me your, just lay it out for me. And he did. And he was very humble, very apologetic, had a lot of of regrets. And from that moment on, we never talked about it again. Uh, And from that moment on, we decided that uh, life is short and sweet and we can either, I can either be mad and feel unfair Uh, the things happen the way they did, or I can just focus on the fact that we have what we have now, which I have. So we have a good relationship now.
2: Well, you know, we still got plenty of time. So I, I mean, seriously, my, my uh, listeners like details. So take us into that coffee shop because that's big. That's over a decade. You haven't seen your dad. You don't know what happened. You haven't even had this conversation that you're telling us about, So what did you do? Did you approach him? Did he approach you? And then what was that conversation like? And what were the emotions like?
0: Bring it. Oh man. Yeah. So I'll tell this. Yeah, I'll bring it. Let's, I'll tell the story. No problem. Yeah. So here's what happened. I was with a coworker of mine. She was also a really good friend of mine. And so we worked together. She was one of those people that we, we were really good friends right from the start. And she, she knew about this. She knew about this situation. She knew that I, uh, I didn't, you know, my dad, you know, we had the relationship we did. So when he walked in, like, I just sort of like, I knew who he was and she was talking and I just remember seeing him and I was like, oh my God. And she was like, what, what, what's up with the look on your face? You look like you just seen a ghost. I was like, well, you're not going to believe this. I was like, "But you're not, you, you never, you never guess who just walked in. And I, I pointed and I was like, that's my father over there. She's like, the, your dad, like the one you told me about? I was like, yeah. And she's like, oh my God, that's crazy. Like, how do you know it's him? I was like, I know it's him. I was like, it's been 20 years, but he hasn't changed much, you know, still, you know, and I knew it was him And, um, she's like, what are you going to say to him? I was like, say to him, I'm not going to say a thing to him. Like I'm 30 years old. It's awkward. Like I, last time I saw him, I was 12 and it was a horrible experience. And why make it more awkward than it needs to be. And, uh, so with that, she gets up, doesn't say another word. She gets up and just walks over to him. And I was like, oh my God, like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? You're throwing like a major curveball. my whole life here. Like that was, so she goes all the way over to the coffee shop. She sits down next to him. He's reading the paper and she starts talking to him. And I literally like had this fight or flight moment where I'm like, do I get the hell out of here? You know, do I stay, my palms are, were sweaty. Like I started like like kind of panicking a little bit. It's like, do I get up and go to the bathroom? Do I go hide? Do I run? Like, what do I do? And all of a sudden, like I heard, I, I could read his lips and I saw him. He started looking around the coffee shop and I could read his lips and he said, where is he? And then I saw him and we, we made eye contact. And I got to tell you, when we made eye contact, I'll never forget it because I was like, holy shit, like this is, like I felt like I did when I was 12 like all of a sudden, like I'm just like this little kid and here's my dad looking at me across this coffee shop. So he gets up and I, and in my mind, I'm like, Oh please God, don't come over here. You know, he gets up, he walks over, takes this big, deep breath and humbly walks over and he extends his hand and he's like, Hey, you know, how are you, how are you doing? And I'm like, and I wasn't nice, but I wasn't cold. I was just sort of indifferent. I was like, I'm, I'm fine. How are you? He's like, I'm good. I'm good. I was like, great. I was like, he's like, well, he's looked at me and my, my friend he goes, are you guys married? I was like, no, I was like, I'm married. I was like, I actually have a son and, uh, we, we worked together and he's like, oh, he's like, well, uh, so we talked for a few minutes. It was really awkward. And he's like, you know, we should get together sometime. And I was like, you don't have to do this. He's like, do what? And I was like this, I was like, you know, like let's do lunch and like, you know, like make, make the goodbye more awkward than it is. And he's like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm serious. We should really get together sometime. And I'm like, I was like, if you want, um, it's up to you. I was like, here's my card. You call me if you want. And I just kind of like left it at that. And then I, I, you know, like about an hour later, I got this really long email just about how he wanted to get together. And also, so I emailed them back. We got together for breakfast and the rest is history where we now, I, I, my kids know him as grandpa and. He's been married to the same woman for 37 years. Uh, I have two half-brothers that I have great relationships with. Um, and it's really good. I mean, it all came from, thank God, I guess, from my friend because I was too much of a of a <laughs> chicken Listen. shit. I was going to say pussy, <laughs> but I didn't know if you uh, This is
2: the share podcast, not okay. the Good Dad podcast. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Get it out. Get it out, Larry.
0: I was too much to do it myself, so thank God she was, because she had the balls between the two of us go up to him, because I sure as hell didn't. (sighs) Dude, that is such a
2: beautiful story. What did you want? You know, he walks over, and I know that at that moment, you're not prepared for any of this, none of it, but it's, but, you know, for so long, for so long, you know, forget about being a 12-year-old kid, being that four-year-old kid who watched every other kid get picked up by his dad and go, where's my dad? You know, what did you want? You said whatever, you know, he's like, hey, oh, you want to get together? You're like, well, if you want. What did yeah. you want?
0: What I want? Mm-hmm. Are you asking? Yep. What did you want? I didn't know what I wanted. I, I, I really didn't. Uh, you know, the curiosity in me, I I wanted to get to know him again, but the resentful side of me was kind of like fuck you like um, my life is good and I I enjoy it and I didn't I sure as hell didn't get here because of you and that was sort of my mentality around it Um, but I was curious but I I didn't want to put myself back out there again because to be honest with you there was a a tremendous fear of abandonment that that followed me my entire life still does you know a little bit and you know I I didn't want to go through that again I didn't know if I could stomach that again And so I didn't want to put myself back out there again. Um, But I was curious to answer your question. I wanted to get to know him. How'd your wife take it? Uh, You know, my wife, you know, she, she, I've known her for 21 years. um, And she, she has known my mom and, you know, the craziness of my family and, you know, the alcohol and all that. And she was like, wow. Like, and she comes from the polar opposite. She comes from this great, great Awesome family, I, I couldn't ask for better in-laws. And um, she was like, "Well, let's go meet them if you want to meet them." I'm like, let's go. So we did. That is, and you know what? That's another. That's a key
2: point there. So many of us, when we come from dysfunctional families, we tend to create dysfunctional families. Dysfunction yes. attracts, you know. Dysfunction seeks dysfunction you know, and, and there was a, something happened, something happened in, in when you were growing up uh, and as you got older that there, I guess there was, and I'm, and I'm, I'm only guessing that this isn't going to happen to me. Like, this is not what I want for, I don't want to be, and my mother's an alcoholic. So that's not what I want for me. I don't want this for my family. I don't want to have a parade of dysfunction in my family. So I'm doing something different, you know, um, because you allowed your wife, you attracted your wife. So if you were, you know, dysfunctional, right, then then uh, she wouldn't have come into your existence. So something must have changed. You, How old were you when you met her?
0: I was 21. And yeah, it's, it's interesting you say that because like I was like, you know, when I became the whole inception of the Good Dad Project was... Um, I, I have always said this. I, I, I knew exactly what not to do, but I sure as hell didn't know what to do. There you go. I was stuck right in the middle, you know, and it was like that for relationships too. Like in college, I, I, I dated like, you know, wrong women, of course, like that and that kind of thing. And here's the funny thing. So here, <laughs> this is the funny thing. And this is, I guess, how we evolve in relationships. So my wife, Beautiful woman, uh, just physically and 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 um, yeah, personality-wise, just beautiful, strong, wonderful woman, and. I get The whole fear of abandonment thing, man, it really does play a part even when you know you have something good. So we dated for seven years before we got married and I, it was, it sort of became a running joke because I broke up with her uh, every year for seven years (laughs) and it was for no, it was for no fucking reason. Like she couldn't understand it. And I get funny. Funny thing was I couldn't understand it either. I would just be like, we would have one problem and I'd be like, screw it. It's done. We're, We're, we're done. We're over. And, so we would break up and thank God the woman has the patience of a saint and my father-in-law didn't kill me and I'm sure he wanted to. I would have wanted to kill me, I think. but I think I was I was maturing you know in, in that relationship. And now what I realize now, I mean, I definitely attract uh, that that is what I'm attracted to is a functional, strong, confident, unbroken woman. I don't, I don't want to fix somebody else's problem. I don't want someone who's codependent. I don't want someone with drama. And I can tell you without a doubt that even when I talk to other women, you know, if I interact with other women, my radar for, for problems go off. And I'm just, I always tell my wife, I was like, if, if anything ever happens to us, like I'm screwed. Like, because my, like my, my set point is so high for what I want in a relationship, I don't know if it's possible. I know it's possible with her. I don't know if it's possible. Like, if I were to date, I think I'd just get so frustrated and pissed off that I'd become one of those bitter matchcom people who are like, screw it, none of it works. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So, But yeah, I mean, it did come out of that motivation of like this, I, I mean, I'm not kidding, man. Like, this came out of like these things that I experienced when I was a kid, this will not work fucking happen in my life. Will not. It will not. It it absolutely will not. I will do everything in my power to make sure that it doesn't. It will not be repeated. It just won't. And I'm going to do, I I don't care how much money it takes in coaching, in counseling, in mentorship, mastermind groups. I will never ever stop sharpening that part of me because like I need to be on point because my default, I I think a lot of people who grow up the way I did or, or recovery, we fight with ourselves a bit you know, and there are times when I want to, I want to repeat something that was done to me when I was a kid because I don't know any better. So, but I, I you know, create that space and that pause to not do that stuff. That's beautiful, man. I love it. I love it. So, as we segue into, I want to
2: talk about the 33 days of insomnia. I want to know what it was that led up to that to that point like what was going on in your life that because now you know what it is so some a series of events must have led up to that moment
0: yeah um i had <sighs> so i the 33 days of insomnia was really unexpected because what happened was is i was training for the the seal fit 20x which if your listeners are not familiar with that um the seal fit 20 X is a crucible event of it's sort of, like uh, they take the 50 hours of the Navy SEAL Hell Week and they replicate 12 hours of it and they put you through it. And it's sort of one of these crucible events where you, you're you never the same once you come out of it and that kind of thing. So I went to train for it because these SEALs, I mean, it's, it's actually run by the SEALs. They beat the snot out of you for 12 hours. So I was training for that and I was training for it for 15 months straight. And I kind of looked at my calendar at the end of February in 2017. I was like, wow, man, I only got four months left. I, better, I really better ratchet up my training. And I had already ratcheted it up quite a bit. So I I went just, you know, crazy, crazy um, on one workout on a Friday morning. And then I went crazy on a Saturday morning where I did – it was ridiculous. I did 20 rounds of seven different movements and did almost 1,100 repetitions of different things and like all with like a weighted vest. And it was stupid, really, really stupid. And I remember after I did that workout, I didn't feel right. Something was very, very wrong. And that night I didn't sleep at all. And I did the really smart thing and I worked out in a fasted state the next morning and did the same workout I did that Friday. So like I did three full days of like all out activity about killed myself. What happened was I I think what happened, it was never fully diagnosed, but I think what happened was, is I... Put my body through so much uh, adrenal stress that my cortisol levels skyrocketed, and cortisol is your awake hormone. I could not; it would, they would. I don't think they leveled back out. And then after several days, what happened was, without the sleep, is I had anxiety because I couldn't sleep, and then I couldn't sleep because I had anxiety. So, it was this vicious cycle that I could not break, and it was awful. It's just awful. And then it ended up lasting 33 days, and it finally ended up four days in the hospital because of it.
2: So, I want to talk a little bit about what your mind was going through, because you have mentioned before that your mind went to some real dark places.
0: Um, yeah. And I. I I got to be honest. I mean, this is very very hard for me to talk about. I'll talk about it though if you want me to. I want you to talk about it. All right. Um yeah, 33 days I was sleeping about 90 minutes a night and it was it was it was bad. It was really really bad. Um after like a week it was bad. 2 weeks was really bad. After 2 weeks I ended up in the ER and the ER I I, I really got a glimpse of the, what they do for people with insomnia or I guess what I would call, I was diagnosed with some, my, my diagnosis became anxiety, you know, uh, because I couldn't sleep. But I, I really got, I really got a snapshot of what the healthcare system is for people who have mental illness. I wouldn't say I had mental illness, but I had a temporary block of time where I was dealing with severe anxiety and depression because of sleep deprivation, So I went to the ER and my hope was that they would admit me to the hospital because I was felt like I was dying, you know, sleeping 90 minutes a night for 14 straight days. will really, really mess with you. Oh yeah. And they gave me a prescription of benzodiazepines and sent me on my way home. And I'm like, you're not going to keep me overnight. Like I want to stay here. Like I want to, I want to stay here a couple days and sleep. And have someone like pretty much take care of me, make sure I'm okay. No, no, no. Your stats are fine. You know, your blood pressure is okay and everything checks out. You're not on drugs. And Jesus. So they sent me home with these benzos. I took took one one night. I slept nine hours that night. I was like, oh, great. I'm cured. And then the next night I bounced right back to where I was, unfortunately. And then a week later I ended up back in the ER because I went another seven days without – with about 90 minutes sleep a night. I'm talking like I'd go to bed at 11, I'd wake up at 1230 and I was up for the night. And you didn't take another Benzo? No, I was, that was, that was the scariest thing. I was taking them. (gasps) So yeah, here's the other, this is the other thing that really freaked me out. My doctor tried me on Trazodone, Ambien, Lunesta, Xanax, Clotapin. Um, dude, nothing worked. And that's what scared the shit out of me the most. Like I thought something was really wrong. And finally, they put me on, um, Risperol. And I, I might be saying that wrong, but it's powerful benzodiazepine. And that one, that was, I woke up that day. <sighs> Man, this, this is hard for me to talk about because I, I've never talked about this even on my own podcast. Um, I was in a very bad mental state, like to the point where I could not think straight anymore. And I thought if this is going to be my life, I don't want this to be my life anymore. Um, it was hard because like I saw my marriage starting to crumble cause I couldn't function. You know, I'm supposed to be the the good dad project podcast host and I sucked as a father cause I couldn't function. I thought my business was going to fail because I couldn't function in my business. um, and it was scary you know my wife she's tough and she's strong and she was scared and i could tell she was scared um i lost 15 pounds i had a really really hard time eating i wasn't eating the scary thing too is i was drinking probably a gallon and a half of water a day and i was only peeing twice a day so at the end of March, my wife and I, all of us uh, for spring break, we were supposed to go to Great Wolf Lodge uh, to go for a family vacation. My wife said, you know, obviously you're too sick. Um, I'll just take the boys and you stay here. I, I've never said this publicly, but I was very scared her leaving. Yeah. Because I, I was at that, at that point, I, I was a month one month, I was 30 days with this and I was physically ill. So much anxiety, panic attacks, depression. I could not function. I was so sick. I lost so much weight. Um, I, I literally felt like I was at the end, of my rope. And I told her, I was like, I don't know how to tell you this, but if, if you leave, like I don't leave don't leave me alone. Like I'm, I'm scared. I'm really scared. So with that, I went to the hospital. They took my stats and luckily my, luckily my stats were really bad. My blood pressure was over 200. My kidneys weren't functioning properly because obviously I was drinking a ton of water, wasn't peeing right. I don't know what was up with that. And my blood sugar wasn't right. My blood sugar was very high. So my, it's like my pancreas was pancreas wasn't functioning correctly. So, luckily, they didn't ask me where my mental state was because my physical state was bad enough where they had to admit me. So, they were like, we need to put you in the hospital. Like, you're you're, you're on the verge of your body shutting down. You're on the verge of a heart attack. Something something bad is going to happen if you keep going. So, we're going to admit you to the hospital. We're going to give you some medication to sleep and get you some rest. And we're not going to let you go until we we all feel you're good. And thank God for that. Yeah, thank God, <laughs> Jesus. <Yeah>. So <sighs> I spent four days in the hospital. They gave me some really powerful medication. But here is the thing: the the scary thing, and yeah, uh, you know, about our, you know, I guess mental health thing. They put me on four different medications to bring my anxiety down and um, get me to sleep. And I just felt like total crap beyond that stuff. And I, I'm I'm happy to say now that um, I'm. Virtually medication free. I, I don't take. I have medication if I absolutely need it, and there are times where it's hard for me to. It, it, if I sense that it's getting hard for me to sleep, I'll I'll take I'll take a pill to help me sleep. Very rarely do I do that though. I actually found um, a supplement to help me sleep. Um, but every now and again, if my anxiety is high and I'm scared to go to bed like I was, um, I'll, I'll take something, but that's once in a blue moon. But yeah, that's, that's my story of insomnia and very dark place. Dude, dude, I knew it was dark, but wow, I was right there, man. Like
2: I'm it's, it's so heavy. And of course my listeners can relate They've been there, at that brink of. There's no my if my options are are limited to doing as much drugs as I possibly can or killing myself because I yeah. don't see any way out of this. Right? Yeah. You're so deluded. Did anyone ever diagnose you for adrenal fatigue?
0: No, and the, the point, that's the other thing. So my my doctor, like I went, I was at my my primary care physician three times in this month because they kept giving me drugs 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 and i was like and they they dude i know more about my body now than i ever have before because i was poked and prodded so many different ways like peeing in a cup and i I mean people thought like i was on drugs so like are you taking amphetamines i'm like no i don't even drink coffee and uh, okay we'll pee in a cup and we'll see and i pee and of course like you know i was fine take my blood Oh, my blood work was was great you know and like um but I asked them, I was like, can you, is there a test that you have that you can test my adrenals? Because I think that was the problem. Well, in the medical community, we really don't, we don't really, we don't really recognize that as a real problem yet. <laughs> so, He's- so I, you know, to answer your question, they wouldn't test me for it. Um, Fuckers, so I, I mean, that's why I say it was never, but I, I've, you know, I, I've researched all the signs and symptoms of what was going on. I had all of them. But I I can't say for sure that was the problem. I I think what happened was is I did go through adrenal fatigue. Um, My cortisol levels were probably too high. It affected me for a number of days. And then what happened? Then it got mental. You know, probably physically after that I was okay. But mentally, I was scared to go to sleep. So, yeah, I just, it was terrifying.
2: Well, the reason why I ask is because you say that you were drinking all this water, you couldn't pee, and your kidneys were about to shut down.
0: Right. Well, they, they said my kidney function was reduced. I don't know what that means. I, okay. I they never told me what that meant, but they saw it as a warning sign.
2: Your adrenal glands sit right on top of your kidneys. Right. And when you're when you're under a tremendous amount of strain, right, then that's one of the things that's going to affect, right? right. And so your cortisol levels are probably off. Your serotonin levels are probably off. Your testosterone levels are probably off, and that's all stuff that. You have to take hormone blood love, blood work done specifically right. to test that. Like over here, in, it's the same. Like when is the medical co- – well, the, the medical community doesn't want to wake up because dealing with a situation like this, they just want to load you up full of benzos, which for us is a killer, right? The minute we go on benzos, we don't come off, right? Yeah. You know, so, you know, it's not being an addict is, you know, like – amazing that you were able to get through this and not not get hooked on this crap because they were giving you
0: they were just basically experimenting with you
2: here take a little of this take a little of that
0: you know what i mean well that, that's what i think a lot of our um you know to, to, like for instance the the doctor who wrote dr daniel amon he wrote a book called uh change your change your brain change your life and what he does is spec studies you know there there are certain and spec study meaning like he does brain scans and that's how he knows what medication to put on someone because most people in the medical community, what they do is they guess. You know, we, we get, oh, I have depression. Oh, okay, well, I think Lexapro would be great. You know, I think Celexa would be great or, you know, Xanax would be great. So you're kind of playing with it to see how is this person going to respond. You know, Dr. Daniel Amen, what he talks about in his book is he, he knows what parts of the brain are not firing where they need to fire. So he will he will prescribe the medication that he knows that works in that part of the brain. Excellent. Excellent. So you actually did, there was
2: a time that you actually went through the one year, no beer. So I want to touch
0: on that as well. Yeah. Rory Fairbanks and Andy. Yeah. I don't know Andy's last name, but I know Rory really well.
2: Right. And so I know that you had done the one year, no beer. What was the, what was the catalyst for that?
0: Yeah. The, the funny thing is, is the catalyst for that was, is I want to train for the seal fit 20 X. So in 2016, I was like, you know, I was like, if I'm going to train for this 12 hour and it was, this is a year and a half. I was trying, I was going to train for this 18 months. Mm-hmm. And I, I I went ahead and I was like, you know, if I'm going to train for this thing, man, I'm going to go all out. You know, I'm going to give up alcohol. I'm going to eat clean. I'm going to really get my body in tip top shape because that's what it's going to take to get through this. So my goal was to give it up for 90 days, just 90 days. No intention whatsoever of doing the one year, no beer, um, just 90 days. And then after 90 days, I was like, I, the first 30 was interesting. And then 60 and then 90, I was like, man, I was like, I kind of feel so good that I think I'll just go into the month. You know, I call it like the Forrest Gump of no alcohol. It's like, I just, I just kept running, you know, and I just, you know what I mean? I just kept going. So I was like, and then I did four months. And I was like, you yeah, know, if I did five, maybe I do five. I'll do five months. So I did five. And then I was like, well, I got to go six now, like six, got to go a half a year. And then, you know, I started really talking to a lot of guys in the community that were doing these alcohol challenges. And they're like, dude, you've gone six months. Like, why not go a whole year? And I was like, yeah, you know I mean? seems kind of pretty easy actually at this point. Like I'll just go a year. So I went a year. And um yeah, it it totally, totally, totally changed my relationship with alcohol. Okay, so
2: then what did you find? What was it what were the benefits that you got from it that, that were so
0: impactful? Oh wow. Um how long's your show? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I, You know, when I first gave it up, I was like, man, I was like, this is going to suck. It's going to be horrible. Like, I'm never going to have fun. I'm never going to be able to enjoy going out to dinner, like all this other stuff. And I wouldn't say like I was even a really a heavy drinker. I was sort of like a a weekend warrior, but I, was, I even on the weekends, like I wasn't like a crazy drinker. Like I would drink. I mean, I would say uh, I've been on Shane Raymer's podcast, you know, that sober guy, and yeah. we... We, we swear we should have trademarked this thing called the the middle ground guy because that's what I was. Like on a scale of <laughs> 1 to 10, I wasn't like the guy who is the addict, but I wasn't the one. I was in the middle. I was right there in the middle. Like I, I drank. I enjoyed drinking. I enjoyed drinking sometimes a handful. Sometimes I drank too much. Sometimes I didn't drink that much at all, but I was right there in the middle. And... Uh, so Shane and I talked about we were like, wow, I think we just token the term the middle ground guy. So that's what I was. I was the middle ground guy. I never really had a problem with it. But then again, I kind of couldn't see my life without it, if that makes sense. Yep. So um, but yeah, what happened was in that one year, so my business grew 10x, like literally grew 10 times the revenue what it made the year before. Um, my productivity went through the roof. Um, my body fat went from 16 to 9. Ooh. Um, my I got in the best shape physically and mentally of my life uh, unfortunately i went too far with it obviously in february <laughs> when, and, and pushed away you know so i guess there's an exceeding everything you know there's you got to cut it off sometime uh my relationships got better it was a really it was a huge inspiration to my kids even now um like my kids will ask me like say I, I still love uh pellegrino um, Pellegrino with lime and mint. That, that was kind of my drink when I was going alcohol free, and I never really, uh, really understood that my kids knew or watched. They're like, "Dad, you got any alcohol in that?" I'm like, "No, Dad's not drinking right now." So even right now, like if I drink a Pellegrino and mint, like they're like, "You got alcohol in there?" And I'm like, "No," you know. Or sometimes I will, but it's man, it's rare, very very rare. Um, and even when I tell them, "Yeah, this one's got alcohol in it," they're like, "Oh." And they'll get that look of like, oh, really? And I'm like, all right. Well, you know, now I'm just like, okay, well, you know, I, just, I should probably just not drink at all. And like, like I said, I may drink twice a month now. That's why I say it totally changed my relationship with alcohol. And if I do drink, it's, it's one, you know, or two at the most. Um, never like the three and the four and three times a week and that kind of thing. So what we're
2: talking about here is you did the one-year no beer. You had this amazing transformative experience. Right, that was cathartic, right? And it all these amazing things started to happen. It got you to where you wanted to be, which is ready for training for this SEAL marathon. And so this recently happened. This was in February. So we're talking how many months ago?
0: Oh, yeah. This was, uh, so this is July. I mean, we're talking this whole thing started the beginning of March, end of February. So we're only, yeah, four months away from when, when it happened.
2: Wow, dude, that is wild. Oh my God. So it is, it's a lot more recent than I even suspected. How are you feeling today?
0: I feel, I feel really good. Luckily, I found um, a natural supplement What's that helps me sleep. So I, I use a combination. Um, I found, um, uh, so I, <laughs> I take three different things. Um, I take New Mood uh, by On It. It's got tryptophan in it and 5-HTP and, and um, B vitamins. I also take Nighttime Recovery made by Advocare. Uh, it's a great product, too. It's got, uh, again, more, more B vitamins in it and some valerian root and chamomile and all that. And it, it's, uh, it's, it's fantastic. And then I take another product called Somatomax, uh, which is a powder. That has uh, it's got a mega dose of vitamin B in it, um, and it's got L-dopa in it, which is um, yeah, I, I believe L-dopa is an amino acid, but it helps with uh, just basically it's it's like a natural relaxant. It helps you get that that really nice, good, deep sleep. And man, do I sleep good! I sleep I sleep like I did when I was a teenager. Like where like a bomb could go off, and I probably wouldn't wake up. I sleep very good. <laughs> Now do it's, you, it's great. Do you take them all together, or do you take Thank them? You. Okay, so you take
2: them all together, and these are all natural supplements. Can you get all these? Natural, yep. Can you get these yep. like at a health food store, or do you have to order them, or how does that work?
0: Yeah, so I, I buy the nighttime recovery from Advocare, which is you just go on, you buy them online or through a uh, through a distributor. My wife is a distributor for Advocare, so I buy. I, we purchase it through through her account. Mm-hmm. Um, the New Mood by Onnit, I just go to Onnit. Actually, I buy it through Amazon just because I, I can get it in two days. So I just go to Amazon and buy New Mood by Onnit. And then the Somatamax, you can buy that online just by anywhere, bodybuilding.com. But um, Andy, for those of your listeners who listen to the MFCEO by Andy Frisella, Andy is a St. Louis guy. He and I don't live very far from each other. And here in St. Louis, we always like to support local businesses. So I buy my Somatamax from First Form Supplement Superstores.
2: Okay, and all of these have, I guess, high doses of vitamin B.
0: Yeah, vitamin B. Um, like I said, the Somatamax has got it's got a pro- p- proprietary blend of, of different amino acids in it. Um, but the L-dopa is the one that really helps put you down. Um, but L-dopa is found in other supplements as well. Um, and then the nighttime recovery, like I said, has valerian root and chamomile, which is help, helps promote relaxation. Um, and then the, like I said, the the uh, new mood by Onnit has L-tryptophan, which if you eat turkey on Thanksgiving, you yep. get tired. It's the L-tryptophan, so it's got the L-tryptophan in it to help me feel relaxed too. So I sleep really good.
2: So when you wake up in the morning, are you feeling like ready to go? Do you feel any kind of grogginess from taking the stuff from any of these natural supplements?
0: I do. Um, I I won't lie. You know, I I do feel more groggy than I used to but it, i i honestly believe it's because i slept so rested mm-hmm. like when i wake when i wake up i feel good but it takes me a few minutes to wake up uh, that's why you know I, I i hydrate you know hardcore in the morning i take my vitamins in the morning yeah after like 10 minutes i'm fine but yeah i don't want to get out of bed in the morning <laughs> 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 and plus well Plus, this like, is I, I, I used to be like this crazy early riser and now I, I give myself a little bit of forgiveness, you know, so if I need sleep, I take it. I don't I don't I'm not I'm not a member of the four AM club and I have no desire to be right now. <laughs> Amen, brother. I'm right there with you. Well, this is great because what
2: I wanted was, uh, this is obviously something that my listeners are looking for, um, all natural supplements, things that they can do outside of what the medical industry wants to give you. They want to give you Ambien, okay? they want to give you benzos, right? No one, you're never going to go to your doctor and they're going to say, hey, why don't you try New Mood? Okay. Oh, no, 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 no. Well, there's no FDA approval on that or whatever the case may be. And it's all just a matter of getting you in that rat trap of, you know, repeat business. They're drug addicts. I don't, you know, this is my show, so I'll say it. There are a bunch of drug addicts over there. I mean, drug dealers, sorry, not drug addicts. They're drug dealers and they want to keep you on that cycle of, of drug use. So you keep coming back. And these kind of things, after a while, once, once your body and your adrenal fatigue comes down, you're not even going to need this kind of stuff. This will help you actually relieve and repair what's going on inside your body. It's all these, especially the B, you know, the vitamin B, B complex, that kind of stuff. It's amazing for the body, especially for getting rest, sleep, repair, all that stuff. So that's awesome, dude. I'm going to have this listed. I'm going to check them out first, guys, just to make sure everything's cool. Uh, but they, I'll have these listed on the show notes. So if you guys are interested, you can check some of this out. So, um, but before we, you know, um, I just got a couple more questions for you. Number one would be: Was there a time in your life because you've you've been drinking, you've been you've had narcotics? Has there been it? And this is you know, was there a time where you actually used alcohol to get through some? tough times or traumatic times, things of that nature?
0: Yeah, you know, like I said, I've gone through stages in my life. I mean, shit, man, I went to college, right? I mean, you party and you drink a lot and all that. And then you kind of like before kids, you go out, you party a lot and that kind of thing. Um, I would say that, again, I was sort of that middle ground guy. Like I didn't drink. Often, but then again, when I drank, I drank hard, you know, I'm in my younger years. So oh, yeah. I didn't do it often, but I would I would do the whole binge drinking thing. Um but I would say this when I became a father for the first time, uh you know, I, I drank more. And I think it's because like, God, if I gotta tolerate these kids, sometimes <laughs> I need to <a> drink. <laughs> right right you know so like for god's sake give me a beer if i'm gonna deal with these with this screaming three-year-old but uh yeah no like uh i would say when my kids were younger like i drank probably more and then like the older i got the healthier i got you know like i would I just sort of like, t- I, I would I guess I went through years where I would drink more than I would like the year before. Then I had t- another year I drink less than I did the year before. But I guess it just sort of kind of came in waves, you know, like, but um I don't know if that answers your question, but to, to numb things, if I was ever overworked, burnt out, stressed out, then yeah, I'd be like, you know, it's time for a drink tonight. Yeah. Like yeah. sometimes, yeah, I would do that. I did lose my... I, I lost a son in 2015. I, I probably went through a few months there where I was drinking pretty heavily just to numb that pain. And uh, yeah, I, I would do it every now and again, but not not often. You know, it sounds kind of crazy, but my drug of choice is, is actually fitness. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think if you took that away from me, I... I would flip out on somebody. Like I, I would have serious problems. You know, like I, I, I could give up alcohol, but I don't think I could give up. That's the one. That's my one release.
2: Well, that was the other question too. Was, um, yeah, the your son. Uh, you said 2015, uh, and you got four boys. So you know, you guys are obviously doing something right. Uh, yeah, you keep the baby machine going. Uh, but in 2015, something you know. That's very tough to deal with. It was one of the topics of today's discussion, which was super heavy. It was the heaviest part of today's meeting. Um, How did you deal with that, and how did your wife?
0: Yeah, so in 2014, we found out we were pregnant at the time with our fourth. Uh, We have four boys now. I I have a boy who's 15 months old. He was born in 2016. But we found out in 2014 that we were pregnant with our fourth boy, and unfortunately, he had trisomy 13. Trisomy 13, for those who don't don't know, it's a it's a genetic it's a chromosomal abnormality that affects all major or organs of the body. Basically, the child will not live. Uh, they don't usually live past seven days after birth. Um, so my wife and I literally went through six weeks of absolute hell because like you have three choices when you when you have a when you're pregnant with a baby with trisomy 13, you either terminate. Uh, thirty percent chance that the child will miscarry, or you go full term, and uh, if you go full term, then they pass away on their own. Um, so that was our choices. Um, my, I won't go into all the detail and the decisions that we were trying to make and trying not to make, but I will say this: we decided to go full term with him, you know, for several reasons, and I'm glad we did. And unfortunately, it happened on it, it, it was. Fortunate, unfortunate, but we, my wife went into labor on December 28th, 2014. He was 20 weeks and we had him on our bathroom floor with two paramedics there and he was no bigger than my wife's hand. So got to see him. He passed away. It sounds horrible and traumatic and I'm not, I'm not trying to make it sound lighter than it is, but I've had a lot of time to get over it and not, I wouldn't say over it, but deal with it. And that was a a hard time in our family, but I will say this, it was, I'm glad he went the way he did because there was no pain. Um, It wasn't, it wasn't us aborting him, walking in and out of a clinic with that dark cloud over our head. And we got to say goodbye, you know, and, uh, and he wasn't, he was, he didn't go full term where he felt pain and he was hooked up to tubes and my kids would have to see all that stuff. And so it was probably with the situation that we were confronted with, probably the most, the uh, most peaceful thing that could have happened. Yeah.
2: Well, sometimes, you know, you know what they say, the Lord works in mysterious ways and yeah. th- this is, you know, you, you left it, you just left it in God's hands. You left it in God's hands. And it's something that we're, uh, that's something we teach. You know, when you come into recovery, so much of what happens in your life, um, you got to turn it over. You've got to just let God work in your life, um, especially in some of the toughest decisions and some of the darkest moments of your life. You know, when you turn it over and you ask God to guide you through it, he always does. He always does. You know, Um, and it's probably why you guys got through it the way you did.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. And can I can I say one more thing that I've learned here recently, and even talking about this? Um, do you mind if I share something with your audience? Bring it. All right. Well, I'll share a couple of things. Number one, your audience is very lucky to have you. Thank you. I I mean that you've got like this incredible. You're gifted with a with an incredible podcast voice. It's it's very soothing comforting and for your audience i I feel like you were like you're you're like the man for this (laughs) you know i i I told shane raymer kind of a similar thing because he's kind of like the i i i i I told him he was the m&m of sobriety (laughs)
2: Yeah. <laughs> That's but, true. Uh,
0: he's like rough. He's like, "Yeah, get with the hat on or you know, all that." But I, I told Shane, I was like, "Man, you you put a very cool spin on sobriety, and I'll say the same for you. And, you know, you put a very cool comforting Spin on recovery. And that's what I think people need because, like, so many people feel shunned and, you know, they feel like they're bad people and, you know, problems and labeled. And when you have someone leading the charge like you, you know, I'll say this to your audience, you guys who are listening to Omar, I mean, this guy, man, like he cares so much about what he does and the content that he brings to you guys. Like this is his thing. And he only wants to make it bigger. He only wants to make it better. And I mean, talk about a servant leader. I mean, you know, you, you are the man. Um, The second thing I'll say that I want to share is, um, and I'll just say this, do fucking epic shit with your life. You you just, you have to just do it. You know, the things that you want to do, there's a million excuses out there of why you shouldn't do something, whether it's starting a business or taking that trip or doing something. After I went through this, you know, I've, I've been through some things in my life, obviously, but after this month of March, like I was, and I felt like I was going to lose my marriage, lose my business, lose my kids, lose my own life. And I told myself, I was like, if I ever get out of this, I am living life differently, damn it. Like, I'm not, I'm just not gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna think of reasons not to do anything anymore. So like, as soon as I got healthy again, I decided, I was like, I'm gonna make every day count I'm going to take my kids camping in the mountains. I'm going to take my kids dirt bike riding. I'm going to take my kids on epic adventures. I'm going to buy. I'm gonna go to concerts with my family. I'm going to buy front row tickets right in the middle. I don't care if it costs me 300 bucks a ticket. That's the shit I'm going to do because at the end of the day, I can think of a million reasons why I shouldn't do this thing with my family on the weekends because it costs money or it's too much time or it's too much hassle to put four kids in the car or it's too much trouble to drive 15 hours to Colorado to go camping in the mountains. Mountains, but you know what? I'm just kind of like, screw that shit, man. Like, I don't know how, how long my health is going to be around and, and life's too damn short. And I don't want to be on my deathbed whenever that's going to happen being like, well, damn, I had all this time. I had all that health. Why didn't I use it? So like, I just encourage people go out and just do the epic stuff you want to do and don't talk yourself out of it.
2: Wow, man. We're just gonna close with that, man, because that is <laughs> <laughs> that is strong. <laughs> it's absolutely strong, and you know we don't get enough people that I interview that close like that. But you know, I always ask you know what suggestion you would give for the newcomers. There it is. Uh, thank you so much for the love and for you know the accolades there. Um, I do appreciate it, man. You know, I, I love what I do. And I know you love what you do, man. It's I like to bring out the best in people by sharing the worst things that happened to me, you know, and allowing people the opportunity to do the same, to share their epic journey from rock bottom addiction and, and catastrophes to these amazing stories that we have today. Um, I you know, I love your story. I thank you so much. For bringing that to us and being so vulnerable with our listeners, this has been an epic journey. So thank you, Larry, so much for joining us today, brother.
0: Man, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. It was awesome. Uh, I, I love how love your show, man. I, I'm just honored to be a part of it. Thanks for thanks for having me.
2: For those of you that want to get a hold of Larry and want to know more about the Alliance Group and about the Good Dad Project, Larry, tell us the best way for us for our listeners to reach out to you and find you, brother.
0: Yeah, so the best way, I mean, you can find um you know anything on my site, which is gooddadproject.com. Uh we have a thriving, thriving community of fathers. Um it's uh, it's on Facebook called the Dad Edge Community. It's the Dad Edge group on on Facebook. It's our it's our big free group. We have thousands of guys in it, literally from across the globe. Uh, we interact we use that page as a forum all day long to communicate and ask questions and then I have a membership community for guys who want to take it to a level deeper than that Uh, the dad edge alliance mastermind community we have uh, over 100 guys who are part of that and that is where we don't just post on a Facebook group we actually talk live we talk live in teams we use the zoom platform and we have discussions we have uh, guest speakers every single month I just found out today that Uh, Well, this month in July, we're having Dr. Robert Glover, who is the author of No More Mr. Nice Guy, come and speak to our alliance mastermind groups uh, only. So he's going to come and and talk with our guys, not at our guys. It's not a talking head webinar. I just found out today that Todd Stottlemyre, three-time world champion, um, world, World Series champion, pitcher, is gonna come back and talk to our alliance again. He just released a book called Relentless Success. He wants to come back and talk to our alliance guys again. He got the the guys loved him the first time. Um, we've got a membership community where you can download free books, and we have a lot of authors in there. Um, we have a video resource library for for you know if you want certain pieces of content on the go. Um, but it's a thriving community. So if you uh, if you want more information on that, it's gooddadproject.com forward slash alliance.
2: Beautiful. I love it. I'm a member of the Mastermind Group. I love it. I'm getting so much out of it. That's how Larry and I have come to know each other and uh, bond. And uh, yeah, man, it's it's a game changer. It's a game changer. It's just like what we do. We have an opportunity to share with like-minded individuals and in and, and, and an open, safe environment where you can get vulnerable and get amazing
0: feedback from some amazing guys. So love what you're doing, Larry. Thank you, man. And obviously, uh, you know, not to, yeah, just to reiterate everything I said. I mean, like I said, that you guys in the, in the share community and the share audience, you got a hell of a man who's leading the charge here. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I love it, man. I'm trying to keep my ego in check. <laughs> <laughs> you are the well, man. You, you, <laughs> no, man. You know, I, I I I don't say that on every podcast for sure, but you know, like I said, I really mean that just because, um, I, I think as the hosts of, of podcasts, I I don't think audiences truly understand how much work goes in, you know, it's fulfilling work, but man, it's work. It's a lot of work. Um, and you know, and you're, you're constantly asking yourself how, what can I, what can I do more of? How can I, how can I serve more? Like what, what guests can I bring that my audience? It's always, always, always about the audience, you know? And, um, sometimes I, I, I don't think that the, uh, sometimes I don't think we as the host like, you know, when we have the guests on, it's like, oh man, like, thank you, you know, for giving me some kudos on that because like, yeah, it's, it is a lot of work, but, uh, it's fulfilling work. It's good work. It's beautiful work. I love it.
2: I love it, and I know you do too, man. I, I know you do too. You're passionate about it, you know, and uh, it's what it's why we do what we do. Right. All right, folks. We've now reached the end of our show. Thanks for joining us. And as we say here in Costa Rica, Pura vida, Pura vida." I
0: don't know why you got to rub it in, man. I'm in. You're in Costa Rica. <laughs> I'm in the Midwest. <laughs> for for those of you, the share audiences, check this out. Like so. At, we all love Omar in, in, our, in the data Edge Alliance, but we all hate him too because he always finds a way to be like, you know, we're, we're talking about the weather, we're talking about this. Oh, yeah, it's beautiful down here in Costa Rica. And we're like, screw you, Omar. <laughs> always got to throw in a Costa Rica. I'm down here in Costa Rica. It's beautiful. It's funny. Just,
2: just in case you're wondering. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: oh, all right, brother. Thanks again, man. Much love, brother. Thanks again, man. It was good talking
1: to you.